Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and let's take off today from verse 8. And before I read that verse, I'm holding in my hands a really cool book that uh, one of our ministry partners wrote me a letter and said, Pastor Stephen, I was in one of your live meetings three years ago, and you prophesied over me that I would write a book. And she said, uh, well, here it is, praise the Lord. And the thing is, is that she said when I gave that prophetic word, she didn't know how she would write a book or even what she would write a book about. But nevertheless, she received the word of the Lord because that's what the Holy Spirit showed me, that there's books inside of her. And she has now written her first book. It's published, and it's a beautiful book. It's actually a children's book. And I, I just think that's wonderful because here in this ministry, we believe the Bible when it talks about the spiritual gifts, and prophecy is a spiritual gift. And it's always a joy to see that when a, the prophetic word is released, and a person receives that word, and then as time passes, as they combine works with their faith, then, you know, that prophecy comes to pass. And I've actually had many people that I've given prophetic words, particularly about a writing gift, or you're supposed to write a book. And then, you know, maybe a year will go by with this dear sister, three years went by, but here comes a book in the mail with a letter saying, Pastor Stephen, that word you gave came to pass. Here's my, my first book, praise the Lord. And it's neat because when a person writes that first book, you actually break through a barrier. And usually there's always going to be a number two coming after that. So I praise the Lord for this sister who received the word of the Lord. And I praise the Lord Jesus who worked with her, with her to bring that prophecy to pass. Praise God. Amen. May you also receive prophetic anointing to to receive prophecy and also to give prophecy as well. Uh, because we remember the words of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I believe that's not just financially related, but I believe also in the giving of spiritual gifts. You can give somebody a prophecy and watch, they will certainly come back to you. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to talk today about one of the most amazing sermons that the Lord taught, and it had a very strange response to the crowd. You could maybe even say the message was a flop uh, uh, in the eyes of the audience, but we can't judge it as a flop. It was, you know, it was obviously the word of the Lord. Jesus is teaching himself, but there can be very different responses concerning uh, a message, uh, you know, regarding what the crowd would be, because there's different types of soil. We'll get into that in just a moment. But we see in Ephesians 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is, it is the gift of God. So salvation is a gift of God, it's the grace of God, and also the faith that's being released. So although God wants to save everybody, He cannot just automatically do that. He cannot override the free will that every human on earth has. But when a person hears the gospel, and they think, I like that, I like having my sins forgiven, I like, I like the fact that, that I can receive eternal life, well, upon hearing that, that by grace they can be saved, but there's the release of faith. In other words, you take it by faith, and you receive it. Because somebody could say, well, let, let's take for an example a sinner. A sinner who does not know the Lord, who is separated from God because of their sins, they're, they're in spiritual death, they could say, well, I've heard the gospel preached, but you know, here I am. 
If God wants to save me, then he can just do it anytime he wants to. But it doesn't work like that because if God could, he would. He would save every single person on the planet. But a person has to receive the gospel, the gospel of grace. You have to receive it by faith. Praise God. So all of the blessings of God, even salvation, they are all received. They're all appropriated by faith. Praise the Lord. That's very important. We see this also in Hebrews chapter 4. And let's go to verse 2, and remember the context of what the writer of Hebrews, the author, I believe it's the Apostle Paul, what he's trying to say is in context of looking back on the Israelites, particularly those in the wilderness experience, those under the Old Covenant. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Okay, so it's more than just hearing the word, okay? It, so this is amazing. The word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Wow, that's, that's incredible. So we're going to look at one of these amazing sermons that the Lord taught, that He preached, we could say, and the response was just, uh, it was like a crazy response uh, uh, on behalf of the people. And the Lord, He's really shooting straight. You know, it says in the epistles, speaking the truth in love. And the message that we're going to look at, I'm sure it was, de it was delivered in love, and Jesus was not trying to, you know, hammer anybody, but he was trying to explain to them the principles that God's kingdom operates on, and that we have to meet those conditions if we want to receive results. Praise the Lord. So when we hear the word, when we hear the gospel, we have to mix it with faith. And if we don't mix it with faith, you know, we're going to be facing the same type of results of what they faced in the wilderness. And what happened to so many of the Israelites in the wilderness? They, they just died. They never entered the promised land, the rest that God had for them. So we're not going to let that happen to us. We want to walk into the blessings that God has for us and experience them in our lives. Remember, the promised land is not heaven. There's a lot of songs that are written in a lot of the the old hymnals that so many churches sing from and you know if you're singing one day we're going to get to the promised land uh, that's an unbiblical uh, type of a statement because the promised land is while you're here on this earth so you know when the promised land was given to God's people they had to possess it Okay, so cross over the Jordan River, go in and begin to possess what God rightfully said belonged to you. But remember, there's enemies there, and they're not going to leave just because you have a promise. So you're going to have to take that promise, believe, and step in there and, be and begin to possess what rightfully belongs to you. So in other words, there's warfare involved. Uh, from a New Testament perspective, there is spiritual warfare involved and also the exercise of faith. Praise God. So that's something that was vital in the Old Covenant. And and it's something that's also vital in the New Testament. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, how do you know that the promised land is not in heaven? Because in the promised land, there were the enemies of God. You know, there were all the ites, you know, all of these different, uh, you know, tribal nations that, you know, their names would end in I-T-E-S. So the ites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and on and on it goes. But look, when you and I get to heaven, there are no ites there. This, it's just all believers there, and angels, and God, and the, the seraphim, and the, and the cherubim. It's going to be wonderful. So 
uh, the promised land is not a type or a prophetic shadow of heaven. The promised land is here on earth, what you must possess by faith. Glory to God. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 4 and look at a very interesting sermon. I mean, it is actually a brilliant sermon that the Lord, Lord taught. And let me say this to preachers for a moment. Don't think that just because you preached a good message and it didn't go over again, uh, don't maybe, uh, don't, don't think that's, that's maybe you, you didn't deliver it right. Maybe you didn't have enough anointing um, because the type of the soil that you're sowing the seed into has a lot to do with what's going to be produced, whether 30, 60 or hundred fold or no, no fold at all. Because if you sow good seed or preach a good message, but if you sow good seed on concrete, it doesn't matter how good that seed is. It's just not going to germinate. It's not going to be able to penetrate and the seed can't do what it's supposed to do. So the soil or the condition of the human heart that is hearing that message also has a big part to do of what is going to come out uh, of the sermon. So it's not all on the preacher, not by any means, because Jesus was the greatest preacher still is the greatest preacher that ever has been or, or is right now. But you know what? Even when he preached a phenomenal message, with unlimited anointing, it still it, it, it never it never got into the hearts because the hearts were not right. They were not right, so there was not good results. Let's take a look at that today. Uh, Luke chapter four, verse twenty. Heavenly Father, open the eyes of our understanding so that we can walk in abundant harvest in our lives by receiving the word properly and following biblical principles. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Now, verse 20, when he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, that, that sitting down was, there's a, there's a lot in there when you understand Jewish culture and you understand a Jewish synagogue. So he actually sat in a chair that was reserved, uh, and, you know, so that's, that's a different story, but that's why they were so amazed. That's why there was some astonishment because he not only read an amazing scripture and said it was relating to him, but he also sat down in a certain chair. Okay. That's different. I've taught on that before, but that they all knew what that meant from a Jewish perspective. And he began to say to them today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth. So they could, they could tell, Hey, this, the way he talks, the way he's teaching, you know, there's, there's an authority that there, there's a difference in the way he's presenting this. It's what we would call the anointing. So they knew there was something about it. And they even said, uh, is, you know, there, there's grace upon what he's saying. They marveled at what proceeded out of his mouth but also they know who he is from a natural perspective. I mean, he grew up, he grew up there. Okay. So they, they knew him when he was, you know, a, you know, a little boy and they, they knew him all through his teenage years and stuff like that. Uh, but it, it says, they said, is this not Joseph's son? Wow. That that's amazing. That's really when they closed their hearts to the things he's about to share with them. And they, they close their hearts to the anointing that was on his life. And when you, when you do that, you, you disconnect. If there is a lack of honor, there's also going to be a, a disconnect from being able to receive the blessing or the grace or the anointing that would be upon that ministry. I think there is an element of what we would call familiarity 
that was not healthy here. Now, I'm not talking about getting to know somebody where you're familiar with them in a, in a fun way, like, hey, I know what their favorite food is, uh, you know, wh- whatever that be, or, you know, I, I know certain things that they like or preferences. We're not talking about that, but a, a familiarity where you can just like, hey, I know you so well that although you minister all over, I know who you really are. You're really just a nobody. That, that's, um, that's, that will... Uh, not allow you to receive from that person if you allow a spirit of familiarity, which I would call a spirit that causes you to lose respect for that person as a man or a woman of God. And if you lose that respect, there is a disconnect in the, in the law of honor. And if that honor is not there, that anointing or that grace that's on their life will not be able to flow into your life. Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, we we praise you today. Now, let's continue on. Verse 23, he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. They're, they're already missing it. And you can see the disrespect here because they're they're It's like they're demanding proof and you have no right to demand that from anybody. And the Holy spirit doesn't move like that. You cannot demand that God move or prove, or it, it just doesn't work like that. God works on a system of believe. And then you receive believe first. And then there's manifestation. But a lot of people, they still want to, they want to go the Thomas route. I must see it before I believe it. And there are rare times when God can make exceptions for that, maybe for a very young, immature, spiritually immature believer. But there is a point when you begin to walk with the Lord, and it doesn't take that long. If you really begin to walk with the Lord and you're serious with your walk with God, He won't treat you like a spiritual baby anymore. He expects you to grow up, and you're supposed to live by faith, not by feelings, not by like prove it to me all the time. But you have to take His word by faith and hold to that. And you'll find out that when you do that, then God will back His word. Praise God. So they're basically saying, hey, we've heard about all the great miracles you've done in Capernaum. Now, of course, we weren't there. We couldn't see it. So come on, validate yourself right now. Prove yourself right now and just do all those things in front of us. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So you could say it's a wrong attitude. It's a very disrespectful attitude. Cynicism wrapped into that statement. So nothing's really going to happen here. But he is going to share a few things. Then he said, assuredly. Now, the word assuredly in the Greek is very, very powerful. It's, it's like a heavy, heavy emphasis upon the truth. Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, and, he, and you know, he's, he's willing to deal with that. He's willing to deal with uh, like, hey, yes, you did know me when I grew up. And yes, you, you're familiar with those things like that. So sure, yeah, I, ha- I had humble upbringing, so to speak. But you know, <laughs> That's okay. He's willing. He's willing to accept that. But you know, it doesn't have to be like that. But he he understands human nature. If you're carnal, that's the way. That's the way people treat somebody that they know. If you're spiritual, you should have enough sense to see they're they're different. After all, what is biblical wisdom? There's a lot of different definitions for wisdom, but biblical wisdom actually is the ability to discern difference. Okay, stop and think about that for a moment, because there's, there's probably a hundred different definitions for wisdom, but the one actually that fits the best 
is this wisdom is the ability to discern difference in other words maybe you do know him since he grew up from childhood but but can can't you look at him and tell that there's something different there's something different see people who do not have wisdom they just lump everybody into the same category they'll lump the president in there they'll 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 lump national uh, Christian leaders in there and they'll just throw everybody into the same group with fools and and critics and just throw everybody in there to the same group and God doesn't do that there there is difference there is distinction Woo! glory to God Mm-mm. that's why you see in Scripture honor those who are in authority and I've, I've had some Christians say, I'm not going to honor anybody in authority. We're all, all on the same level. That, is, that just shows extreme foolishness, extreme immaturity, and also a great lack of knowledge of God's Word. Praise the Lord. We are told to honor those in authority in the, in the realm of law, in the realm of politics. In the re- I mean, Paul came right out in the book of Romans and said, honor the emperor. Honor the emperor, because these authorities are established by God. Doesn't mean they're perfect, and we will not have a perfect leader until the Lord Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign from Jerusalem during the 1,000-year reign that He will establish on earth. And then we'll see the perfect example of how it's done perfectly. But even still, if we just just take away all authority and we take away all leaders, then you will have absolute, complete lawlessness. And that's not something that we ever want. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, he said, but I tell you truly. Now, when he gets into these two examples, they are so revealing of the nature of God. Watch this. They are so revealing of key principles that govern the entire kingdom of God that if you understand them, you can take them and work them in your life just as easily as you can work a screwdriver. Uh, to, you know, turn a screw, you know, or take a hammer and hammer a nail in. You can work them just that easy when you understand what these principles are and when you obey them. Now, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel. How many is many? I don't think there was just like 10. When he's talking about 10, 10 or 20, he's not talking about those specific numbers, but when he's saying many, Many were widows in Israel during the time of famine. How many would be many? I, I would probably say thousands, not hundreds, but probably thousands. Okay, now watch this. But I tell you truly, many widows, probably thousands, okay? Covenant widows, okay? Covenant people, women of God. Many widows were in Israel, okay? So they're Israelites, so they're Jews, so they are covenant people. They have covenant rights that God promised them certain things that were in that old covenant package. Praise the Lord. Now, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. Well, I can imagine there would be a famine when there's no rain for three and a half years. Who's going to feel it the most? Those that would be on the lower levels of the economic uh, strata. You have some people that would probably have some reserves so they can hold out. You would probably have some people that had some extra money. They can just move, maybe just move completely out of the region that this famine is affecting. But you have others, they, they, they can't. They, they Financially, they don't have the means to do that. So the ones that would feel it the most would be those that have the lower levels of income, such as the widows. Now watch this. 
There's many widows. They're in Israel. Heaven's shut up for three years and six months. There's a great famine throughout all the land. Okay? Now watch verse 26. But to none of them was Elijah sent except the Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And that's outside of the boundaries of the what we would call the promised land. Okay? So this is in an area north of Israel to a woman who was a widow. Okay. So this is a widow woman who is a Gentile. And she's what now watch. Here's here's the stunning revelation that he's getting across to the people of Nazareth and they understood it. Here's what he's saying. All of these Israeli widows who have covenants, rights, and privileges, they all died during the famine. Or just, you know, maybe there were some that lived through it. And, you know, eventually when it rained, if they could just hold out for three and a half years, maybe they had some relief, but they, they suffered, I'm sure, intensely during it. But the only one that God responded to was a Gentile woman outside of Jewish territory. Why in the world would God do that? Doesn't he love his Jewish people? Is he not able to see the needs of his own widows? His own sons and daughters, particularly the, uh, the widows, in desperate need. Wow, what's going on? Why is God not responding to them? But He reaches beyond to a Gentile woman outside of the boundaries of the of the, the natural territory of Israel and helps that person. Why? It's an incredible statement. If you if you examine the story with Elijah and this woman, it's because of faith. It's because of her response to the Word of God. Now, I believe for those widows in Israel facing potential death, that if they would have anchored their faith to the Word of God and said, God, obviously, we've heard the report that the prophet has called for a famine. And Lord, you're obviously backing him because he's just proclaiming your word, and it's not raining. Lord, there's no water, there's a shortage of food. Lord, you know, a widow could say, Lord, here I am as a widow, yet I am your widow and I have covenant rights. And it doesn't matter if it's not going to rain for three and a half years. You're still Jehovah Jireh. You're still the Lord God who is my provider. And I'm trusting you to prove yourself to me right in the middle of a famine experience. Wow. Wow. And if just one widow in Israel would have done that, God would have sent provision to them. God would have sent the prophet to them. Maybe, maybe there would have been multiple widows who would have believed, and maybe too many even for a prophet to go to. So God would have done some other means of divine intervention. Wow, praise the Lord. Remember, he, Jesus is basically pointing out through this example, there was not a believing Jewish widow who would call upon me and worship me as Jehovah Jireh. So they either died during the famine, or they struggled and had severe difficulties during the famine. The covenant is God's exemption from all of these bizarre hardships that are introduced into the earth, some of them by God as judgments, others just because there's sin in the earth, and that sin is causing all types of difficulties. But regardless, Regardless, if you have a covenant with God and you hold to the covenant, that covenant will exempt you from what all of the others are going through. 
And if God has to supernaturally sustain you when there's no rain and no food, he, if he has to, he will, and he can send ravens to you, and he could do all types of other miracles. Years back, I ran across a young man who was a Christian, but he did not believe in miracles. He did not believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but he loved the Lord, and he had a happy heart. And he played the guitar, and he liked to sing. And I said, hey, um, I said, why don't you come by my ministry, and why don't you lead the praise and worship for a few nights? If you like doing that, and you just want to be a blessing to people, and worship, lead people into the presence of the Lord, I said, why don't you do that? And I said, we'll be a blessing to you. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make it worth your time and give you a blessing, love offering. He said, oh, he said, Pastor Stephen, I'd be happy to do that. So he came over a few times, and he helped out, and he, he was a blessing to us, and we were a blessing to him. And uh, uh, one day he told me, he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, my girlfriend is going to go to Africa, and she's going to serve and help a certain ministry there, and then after she's done, she's going to come back. She's going to go there and stay a couple of months, and then she'll come back. I said, oh, I said, that's wonderful. I said, where is she going in Africa, and what ministry is she going to? And he named a, a certain nation, and he named the, the ministry that I was familiar with. I said, oh. I said, now, I said, your girlfriend, she has the same theological beliefs that you do, right? That, you know, you're, you're saved and born again through the shed blood of Christ, but you don't believe in modern-day miracles, what they would call cessationism. He said, yes, that is correct. She's just like me. We don't believe in miracles today. We believe all of that ended when the last apostles died, whenever that was. I said, okay. I said, so, I, so you're telling me she's going to go to this country, to that ministry, and um, uh, I said, look, look, I just need to let you know that if she goes there and she, she serves and helps there, her theology of no more miracles for today, her doctrinal theology of that is just going to get totally blown out of the water. Because she's going to go there. I'm just letting you know. She's going to go there. She's going to see raw miracles right in front of her eyeballs. He said, oh, no, Pastor Stephen. He said, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Now, I've had people receive miracles in my ministry right there in the same church where he would lead praise and worship. But, you know, um, he just, uh, just not open to it at all, you know. But I said, look, I said, she's going to go there. She's going to see miracles manifest in very unusual ways right before her eyes, because that happens there all the time. Because I said, look. I said, I've been around the world. I travel all over the world. I said, you've never been out of the country. And she's never been out of the country, much less in these countries that have had moves of God. So, um, so it's a big world out there. And, you know, you want to base your theology on the Bible, not just, you know, your denominational camp. Oh, Pastor Steve, nothing's going to happen to her. I said, well, that's okay. You know, I hope she has a wonderful time. Well, like three months went by. Something like that, maybe three or four months, and I saw him one day, and he had the most puzzled look on his face. I said, hey, I said, brother, I said, how you doing? Everything okay? He goes, oh, Pastor Stephen, everything's fine. He said, my girlfriend just got back from, uh, got back from Africa. I said, oh. I said, how was her trip? Oh, Pastor Stephen, he said it was, she said it was wonderful, but um, I, I don't know what to think of the things that she's told me. I said, what do you mean? What did she tell you? Well, she said she got over there, and, um, you know, because the ministry that she was helping was under great persecution by the government and by the other religions that just hate Christianity and severe persecution. So, you know, they didn't have enough, enough food to feed the orphans. And she told me that she's standing there 
and she's watching as the woman of God is praying, saying, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. And although we have no food, God, you'll provide, and we'll not go hungry. You will provide. We worship you as you are our Jehovah Jireh. And she said, boom, food would appear. Just cover the table with food. Food, bread, all kinds of food, rice, beans, just would, boom. She said it would appear right before her eyes. As an evangelical Christian who didn't believe in miracles, she said it just would appear. And this wasn't just one time, just like over and over again. Why? They're in a crisis situation where they don't have food. They're cut off from the outside. A certain religious group would love to see them all dead, slaughtered, and killed. And they have to rely on God even for their food. But because the woman of God leading that ministry knows how to worship God, like, like the one widow in Zarephath did, they're just they're receiving provision. They're receiving provision. Mm-mm. I said, I told you. I said, I don't say that boastfully. I said that to him in a very nice way. I said, I told you, if she goes over there, it's going to wreck her theology. Sometimes we need our theology wrecked. I mean, I was raised in the denomination that loved the Lord. And, you know, I, I had been kind of fed the same thing. They were, the people that taught me that, the pastors that taught me that were sincere. They were just sincerely wrong. <laughs> well, glory to God. Truth can be very, um, uh, it, it, truth can cause some very interesting reactions. We're about to see a very interesting reaction because this is what the Lord is teaching. This is what he's teaching that the reason those widows either perished or they didn't get the provision or the help that they needed was not because God's trying to, you know, kill them all was just because they never used their faith and cried out, God, I'm a covenant child and God, you are my provider and you will take care of me if you have to multiply food. And I, I just need to be honest, this thing with multiplying food, this is not rare. This stuff probably happens every single day in countries all over the world in persecuted areas where the Christians are in places of such persecution and they are being persecuted in such awful evil ways that they're cut off from society and many are living in caves or hiding in places and God God comes through for them because they know God is a miracle working God. Woo! Glory to God. So you know, we thank God for that. So here's the thing. You can be a believer. You can be a covenant person just like the, the widows were in Israel. But just because you have a need doesn't mean it's going to get met unless you're releasing your faith, believing God. Hallelujah. See, that's why I wanted to show those verses to you earlier about salvation. You, you take salvation. The biggest thing that any person needs is salvation, forgiveness of sins, the securing of eternal life through the shed blood of Christ. That is received by grace through faith. You're going to have to use your faith if you want that. Just release it, take it. And of course, if you're a believer and you're watching me, that's how you were born again, by grace through faith. And again, we see that the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, that the reason the word preached to them did not profit the Old Testament saints, particularly the ones walking through the wilderness, the reason, although it was preached to them, just fell flat to the ground and didn't profit them was because they never mixed their faith with it. They just didn't go for it, just didn't believe it, just didn't think, oh, God's not going to do it for me. And for whatever reason, just didn't take a hold of God by faith. And so they, in a sense, got what they expected. What were they expecting? They were all expecting to die. Well, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. That's what the prophet said. Well, I guess we're all going to die. That's what they're expecting. What did they receive? Well, they, ex- they received exactly what they were expecting. Most of them either died or suffered severely. Woo! But that will not be your portion. Why? You know how to use your faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's not done. Verse 27, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. Well, many lepers. 
how many would we classify as many? I don't think he's talking about 10 or 20. I think he's talking about hundreds, maybe even, you know, you know, when you've got a nation of several million people, you know, probably at that time, thousands of lepers with no cure, no medical knowledge of how to cure leprosy. Wow. Mm. It's a death sentence to have received it, a very degrading, a very humiliating, a very slow, cruel death sentence. And many lepers were in Israel. Oh, they, they're Israeli lepers. Oh, well, just because you're an Israeli leper doesn't mean that suddenly just because you got leprosy, you've been diagnosed with it, doesn't mean that somehow now you're cut off from the covenant. No, you still have a covenant. You're still, you still are our child of God. You just, just got leprosy. Ah, mm, mm. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. Notice how Jesus validates the ministry of these great men. He even says that, then of course, all the Jews knew that Elijah was a prophet. If there was any doubt, Jesus clears that up by calling Elisha a prophet. Any true ministry, any true minister, God will validate your ministry. I'm not talking about ministers that, that they've, they've selected themselves as a minister or, you know, there's some kind of professional preacher, but they never, they've never been called and, you know, they just out there doing something on their own and God never sent them or called them. But any true minister that God calls and God sends, there will be supernatural validation to your ministry and you'll need it hallelujah because it's not, it's not always easy oftentimes it's very challenging as you face the headwinds of the adversary of the enemy but that's why you need that validation what a validation when the Lord says Elisha the prophet it brings a smile on your face when God validates you hallelujah but that goes with a true calling and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha could have been thousands of them in, t- in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them. Remember, he's in Nazareth speaking to Jewish people, and these are people that are familiar with the Torah, familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, and he's speaking to them, covenant people of God, and he says, None of them, none of the lepers, the Israeli lepers, none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. A Syrian, well, that's outside of the that's outside of the territory, outside of the boundary of Israel. And Naaman, you know, he's a Gentile. Wow. I mean, this is, a, these are, these are, this is a heavyweight sermon. Don't, don't read past this sermon fast. This is a heavyweight sermon that the Lord is delivering. And he's, he's teaching the truth in love, but he's, he's still teaching the truth. The, the truth can be very, very, not can be. It is very, very powerful when it comes with revelation and you're catching what's, what's being said when you're understanding what he's conveying. See, here's the thing. Let's say you're an Israeli living back in those days of Elisha the prophet, and there's not a medical cure yet for leprosy. And let's say you're an Israeli and you love God and you serve the Lord, and suddenly you're noticing blots and lesions on your skin and you go to the priest and he examines you because the priests were the experts at knowing how to identify. There's a whole uh, code, there's a whole thing, a procedure that they would follow to be able to identify what is leprosy. And they look at your skin and they're like, you've got it. You've got leprosy. We're so- sorry to tell you that, but you've got full-blown leprosy. So you're going to have to be separated from the people. Okay, you may be separated from the people. You may have to be outside of the camp, which makes sense because it's highly contagious, but it never means you're separated from the covenant, okay? God still loves you. God has a plan. Why? How? What? Okay, 
Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. I sometimes say Jehovah because, as we know, there's no J in the, in the Hebrew alphabet. So, however you want to say Jehovah or Jehovah, it's okay. But let's say Jehovah Rapha. The Lord God is your healer. Okay, so as a as an Israeli, as a covenant child of God, having found yourself with with uh, leprosy, what would you do? Well, if you if you if you have heard the word that there is a Jehovah Rapha who heals all of your diseases, then you could say, Lord, it looks like in my body I have the sentence of death, but Lord, I thank you that I have a covenant with you, and in that covenant, healing is included. Therefore, because of that, I am now holding on to faith and believing your promise, believing your word that you are by Jehovah Rapha, not in some just generic way, but in a personal way, and that this thing is not going to kill me because you've made provision for it in the covenant, and I don't have to die. I don't have to have my body just begin to degenerate and deteriorate and fall off right before my eyes, and then eventually have my eyes fall out. Lord, I don't have to die this horrible death. I worship you, and I believe you, and I hold on to you, Jehovah Rapha. Now, Lord, heal me. Let your healing power be released into my life. Mm. And so we see that because there was one man who believed, and he wasn't an Israeli. He was not a Jewish person. He was a foreigner in a foreign country, and he was a Gentile. But yet he believed that God could heal him of his leprosy. And so out of all the lepers in Israel, not one of them was cleansed. They suffered that awful pain, that slow process of death, and they died. They died as covenant people of God. Oh, yes, when they died, yes, they went into paradise because they were covenant people of God. But were they healed? No. No, they died with that, with that dreaded disease. But not one man. There was one man who heard the report and mixed his faith with it and was cleansed from it. Praise God. Was cleansed from it. This sermon, this sermon is an unveiling of the unbelief of the covenant people of God. And when Jesus preached that sermon in Nazareth to Israeli Jews who knew, knew the scriptures, he's basically saying, again, there's no belief here. There's no faith here. And of course, we know that because it said he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So it was quite, it's quite convicting quite convicting to the point verse 28 so all those in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath so you can have different reactions some people depending on the soil of their heart can get angry that's that's not good soil others can say lord that message you just preached just cut through me like a sword and really pulled the veil back and i now i see the truth and a part, you know, one of those people, some of those people in Nazareth could have said, you know, Lord, you're, you're just flat out right. We just, you know, we haven't, although we know what faith is, we just haven't used it. We just flat out don't believe in the promises of God. Now, you can believe in salvation, but still all of these other promises and all of these other things that God would love to do for you, you still have to access it the same way. How? By using your faith. On purpose. On purpose. Praise the Lord. They rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill. It's not just like a short little walk, there, you know, because I, I have walked up to that brow. Not, you know, you actually want to drive because it takes a little while to get up there. I don't, I'm not sure exactly where the synagogue was, but this was, this was a little bit of a processional that they're leading him on. So angry, they actually want to murder him. Mm -mm. Wow. 
they rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff then passing through the midst of them he went his way praise the Lord glory to God glory to the Lord you know one time I was I administered in a certain particular church in a certain state not in North Carolina it was somewhere else I won't name the church it's not wouldn't be right to do that but I remember that I had prayed over a certain lady who was single and she really wanted to get married she said she said Pastor Stephen just pray that the Lord would bless me with a good husband and so forth and I said okay so I prayed for her I just you know Lord I just joined my faith with hers and uh, Lord she wants to get married Lord that's a that's a biblical scriptural request Lord God let her let her just connect let that godly man let her you know let that connection take place and I just prayed a nice prayer over her life and uh, a year went by and I went back to preach at that church and the pastor called me aside into his private office and I, di- I didn't know what was going on I went into his office there was that lady sitting there there was another elder sitting there and uh, the pastor was very somber uh, I mean it looked like somebody died or something I didn't know what was going on and he said the pastor said uh, he said brother Stephen we need to talk he said you prophesied over this over this lady one of my church members you prophesied over her that she would meet her husband within one year I said no I said um, I said I don't recall fully the prayer that I prayed over her but I never I never prophesied that 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 did not happen and they said well she says it did I said well it didn't happen and he said well he, he said we have a tape of it he said we're going to ta- we're going to play the tape back I said by all means go ahead and play it let's listen to it right now now technically what would have been good is if he would have played the tape back before I ever got there and would have settled the whole thing in the first place they 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 played the tape back we all heard it including the, the woman who said I said that she would get married in the year we all heard it and I never prophesied or prayed any such thing and the pastor looked at me and said well Stephen he said you're right he said you didn't prophesy that you did you didn't pray that you know that obviously must have been something that she just desired and in a sense thought that you said that which by the way which is why it's very good to have prophecies recorded and it's very good to not have loose cannons in the church because having been introduced into into the prophetic ministry in the 90s you know we learned very quickly that there needs to be prophetic presbytery there needs to be elders that you just can't have people running around all over church giving prophecies because there'll be no accountability and then eventually when when all kinds of weird and bizarre stuff that's prophesied that was not of God doesn't happen then now people are going to start getting upset so when there is true prophecy there needs to be witnesses there and those witnesses need to be leaders in the church because prophecy needs to be judged praise the Lord and it needs to be preferably overseen by leaders by those with some maturity in the body of Christ to to help young prophets prophesy accurately and also prophesy with wisdom because just because you know some things by word of knowledge that doesn't mean you need to say all of that stuff you have to be there has to be wisdom in that and love and care and in the way certain things are administered but praise the Lord so back to the meeting so I sat there and even though the tape had been played completely exonerating me vibes were coming towards me from that pastor and from that 
that dear sister. And the pastor said, well, he said, oh, okay, Brother Stephen. He said, all right. He said, well, thank you for your ministry, and uh, that this would certainly conclude the matter. And as, you know, things were kind of, you know, we're leaving the room, I could just sense, like, vibes coming against me, like, still animosity, resentment. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't say daggers. That's very, way too extreme. But I would say... It was borderline bitterness being directed towards me. Remember, a lot of people, they don't really know how to contact God in a sense. So since they can't really get to the Lord, they'll pour it on the man or woman of God. That, that, that's okay. It's not like that's fun. But I understand sometimes that's just where people are at. And we need to, like they told me when I was young in ministry, they, one old prophet told me, he said, he said, Stephen, in ministry, you'll realize very quickly, you have to have a heart like a lamb, but you're going to have to have skin like an elephant. Because the ministry is tough in the sense where all of these things can be directed towards you. So as we were wrapping things up and leaving, I really felt that animosity just hitting me, almost like I was somehow to blame for her not getting married which is it's not even my life. I don't even know the, the, the precious person, but I could feel, I could feel like blame trying to be put on me. And so, uh, you know, I just walked in love and, you know, the dismissal, the conclusion of the meeting was cordial and nice and stuff like that. But uh, I continued on my traveling journey. At that time I was traveling. I did a lot more traveling at that time in ministry and we just traveled nonstop all over the country, meetings to meetings. But I, I had left and gone somewhere else uh, I can't remember how, how many days passed, but some time went by. It wasn't that long, a few weeks, and I was in a different location. And the Lord Jesus at night, I wasn't asleep. I was, I was fully awake. This was not some kind of a night vision where, you know, I'm sleeping in a dream and I thought this happened. No, this was wide awake. I was fully alert. And the Lord Jesus came to me in a vision. And I saw him there. And he, he, he talked with me about what had take had taken place in the pastor's office and the Lord came really for my sake and shared some amazing things with me. He said, he said to me, he said that sister and he, the Lord was not demeaning her in any way in his conversation with me, but he said that sister says that she has faith for her husband. But the Lord said, she does not have faith for her husband, because she has no corresponding works. She says that she has faith for a husband. But if she says that, why does she present herself like she wants to be a nun and join a convent? That's exactly what the Lord said to me. In other words, she, she did not take care of her presentation at all, wearing jeans, all ragged jeans with holes in them and stuff like that. And uh, in other words, if you want to get married... And you want a guy to like, you know, you know, be interested in you. You should make your best, your best presentation. And she was not doing that by any means. No effort towards that at all. And the Lord, the Lord totally said that to me. I would be lying to you if I, what I'm telling you was not true. It's 100% true. And he said, she said she wants to get married. Then why does she, why does she not wear nice perfume? Woo! 
Look, look, faith without works is dead. And you can hear a, a message, but if you don't mix your faith with it and you don't believe it, you can perish just like the Israelites did in the wilderness, or you could perish and go under just like the lepers did, although they had covenant rights and privileges and they were Israeli and they, that should have never have happened. And you could have, you could perish just like all those widows did, maybe by the thousands. And that was never God's will. God provided for them, but they never mixed their faith with the promises of God and took a hold of the promise. What happened? They went without. They went without. Whew, glory to the Lord. Mm-mm. And the Lord came to me in that vision to get that, that false guilt thing that they were trying to put on me completely off of me. Completely off of me. And of course it did. You know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really like yielding to it anyhow. But I, I just, I like peace. I don't like animosity. I don't like there being misunderstanding. And sometimes you just can't help it if people are going to misunderstand or they're just going to be stubborn. You can't help that. But the Lord did come in person, a one-on-one, face-to-face encounter to basically said, you have no responsibility for why she's not married. That is completely her responsibility. Woo, glory to God. Mm-mm. Hallelujah. This is very, very important for you to use your faith to access and to take a hold of the promises of God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess if God really wants me to have it, here I am. He'll just flop it in my lap. If a sinner does something like that, it says, you know, if an unbeliever says, if God really wants me to have it, he'll just save me anytime he wants. The person will perish in their sins and they'll go into perdition. Mm, they'll be lost forever in their sins. No, if you want, if you want it, you're going to have to receive it by faith and take it by faith. And that so upset the crowd in Nazareth. Why? They're all Israelis. They all know the covenant. And yet they just, when it really comes down to it, they're just, they're, they don't believe it. They don't believe that God will do it for them and on and on it goes. So, whoo, you know, the apostle Paul went through the same thing. Or some of the Jews that he tried to minister to, whoo, I mean, they, they were just, they were, not, they were absolutely, they're not going to receive it no matter how many verses that he unveils from the Old Testament showing that the Messiah was the Lord Jesus and he fulfilled all those prophecies. They're just not going to receive it no matter what he says. But then he went over to uh, Berea and he said, he said those there were more noble-minded. Mmm, noble-minded. In other words, hey, if this is true, reveal it to me. I really want to know. I want to I know what the truth is. Whoo, hallelujah. And I won't throw you off the cliff if you tell me what it is. <laughs> See, again, all different types of heart soil. Now, what some people do is they sit back and they say, See, that minister is not successful. Honestly, what preacher could be successful in Nazareth if they actually taught the truth? No, no Bible preaching minister was going to be successful in Nazareth. They're just flat out not going to receive it. Oh, they can have meetings at the synagogue every Sabbath and, you know, just kind of, you know, talk to talk, but never just, you know, never rise up, never believe, you know, never take hold of the word of God and literally base your life. They're just not, no, they're not going to do that. Praise God. And that's why many people go under they go under. Why? They just, they don't, they don't believe. And it's not God's will for you to die in a famine. It's not God's will for you to die of leprosy. It's not God's will for you to perish. Now, as a believer, and you, 
you go under and you know not, not taking hold of maybe uh, you know a certain promise that God gave for you well you know if you're a believer when you die at least you go to heaven <laughs> right so all in all at least you made it to heaven but when you get to heaven you're gonna have to learn all this in classes and things like that it's better to learn it down here and just receive it and say Lord that's how you work because even in Hebrews chapter 11 it says in verse 6 that it is impossible to please God without faith you, you just can't do it that's the way he works. That's the way he has set up the system. That's that's the way that principles operate. They operate off faith. And if you're not going to work that, you're probably going to have certain defeat in certain areas. So rise up today. Take hold of God. Believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. There is provision for you. You're facing something today, and you need the Lord to break through for you. Okay, the Lord sees the need, but the Lord needs to see your faith. Praise God. Because if the Lord was moved only by need, every one of those lepers would have gotten healed because they all had a need for healing. But they didn't get it. Why? It's more than just need. You have to mix your faith with the promise of God. Such as just one promise, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who is your healer. That one scripture is enough to get healed on. Because as far as I know, God never changed his name. <laughs> you know, you, you can change your name legally at the courts, but God can't. He'll never change his name. He's still the healer. Praise God. And here with the widows, you know, just, you know, whatever that need would be, you may think, Lord, you're the only one that can do it. That's all. That's all it takes. He can do it. Now just believe he's still Jehovah Rapha. And even if you're a widow and you just like, Lord, I don't know how that's okay. He'll still get it to you. Just worship him. And it takes faith to do that because your mind and circumstances in the natural are screaming. There's no food. That's okay. I understand that. It's not easy either. Is it? It's not easy, but cry out to God, release worship, release faith and say, God, I trust you. I praise you right in the midst of what would appear to be a famine. God, I thank you that you're going to make a way and I love you and I bless you and I worship you. I worship you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory, glory, glory to God. The Lord is good. The Lord wants to meet your needs more than you even know, but you need to mix your faith with the message of the gospel that you hear. And when you mix it with faith, then you'll see God come on the scene. Even if he has to send the most preeminent prophet on the earth to your house, that he, he can do all kinds of stuff or fly ravens in with, you know, you know, Hebrew national hot dogs in their claws with sourdough bread coming on, on the next wave of the ravens and on and on it goes. He's unlimited in his ability to provide and bless and meet your needs. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Get your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes on the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God. God can do it for you. God will do it for you. But you must believe. Praise the Lord. Don't ever drift from the basics of the Bible. Don't ever drift. Hallelujah. You know, when we see the response from the people of Nazareth, sometimes the Lord's messages can be so strong and so convicting. Why? It denotes personal responsibility. And you have some people today, they've been so babied and so pampered by the government and by free handouts and by all of these things. Well, like you don't have to do anything. We'll just do it all for you. And that's really a dishonesty to people because you will always, if 
look, if you keep them in that place, you're going to keep them in a place where they never have dignity in their life. And there is a place where people need help. I'm, I'm totally for that. And we, we do our part at the place we're at with our ministry to reach out in certain areas and bless those who just, they need help. And they're in a place, maybe they don't have shoes, but maybe they don't have clothing. And we do, we do things to help. We don't always talk about that, but we do those things to the best of our ability. Praise God. And the Lord sees that. Hallelujah. And it makes him happy. And we're happy to do it. It makes us happy. Glory to God. But my friends, you cannot fix, you cannot fix certain things that are spiritual problems. You cannot just keep pouring money, 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 and pour money. Without a fix it, Pastor Stephen, it will help bring relief. But if you want them to rise up eventually, you're going to have to, you know, just instead of just giving them a fish all the time, you're, you're going to eventually have to teach them how to go out and get, go fishing. Teach them what a fishing pole is, and teach them how to, you know, use a pole, and then add the techniques of fishing. And, you know, well, Pastor Stephen, if we do that, they won't need us anymore. Yes, that's the whole idea. They will progress. They will move on. And there's, then there'll be plenty of others to help on that same level that, you know, because as Jesus said, you're always going to have the poor with you. Uh, you know, that's just something that's going to be there. And if every wealthy person in the world depleted all of their money and poured all of their money into all of these areas of need, there's still not going to be enough. It's still not going to be enough. There's always going to be need. So we need the help as we can. But we also need to tell Christians how to work on biblical principles so that you don't have to die in a famine and so that you don't have to, you know, let a sickness like leprosy or something else take you out. There is healing in the atonement of the, of the shed blood of Christ. There is provision for you. Well, Pastor Stephen, I lost my job. That, that's okay. Look to Jehovah Jireh. He'll give you another job. And you may have to really hold to the word of the Lord because it might come in at that last moment just like that. I, I, I mean, Abraham was ready to bring the knife down. You're talking about a test of faith. And then the angel of God stayed his hand. And then there was the sacrifice around with his hordes caught in the thicket. And you think, whew, that's cutting it close. Whew, whew. Hallelujah. I mean, that, that ram showed up right on time. Yep. Just trust God. You will make it. I'm not saying you won't feel the heat. And I'm not saying that you won't feel these waves of doubt that will try to crash against the, the shores of your soul. But hold to the Lord. Hold to the Lord. And you will not be in that group that didn't make it. You will be in the group of overcomers. Now, I need to say this. Persecution is increasing against God's people. Persecution is increasing against the Jewish people all over the world. There are certain there are certain locations in Spain where Jews are completely banned from certain areas of certain cities in Spain, and it's getting worse. Many Jews are having to do Aliyah and move to Israel. It's, uh, anti-Semitism is rising all throughout Europe, and anti-Semitism is rising in America. And don't think it'll stop with the Jews. It never works like that. It will go from the Jews to the Christians. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So Christians certainly don't need to be fighting amongst each other. They need, to, they need to be walking in the love of God and also be believing the Bible and the promises of God so that God will protect you. God will deliver you. God will sustain you so that if something were to be cut off, you say, well, that's not convenient. And I wish that didn't take place. But nevertheless, God still is on the throne. And we're going to use our faith to believe God that even though maybe that was cut off, we will not perish because God will come through for us hallelujah 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, in some of these other countries of severe persecution, they have found out that God is faithful, even in times of great distress. And we must use our faith also to hold to the promises of God. And when you do, you'll see God come through for you every single time. So let's not get mad at Jesus and try to throw him off of a cliff. And let's not get mad at those who preach faith, because you can't even get saved without faith. Hallelujah. And all of the other promises of God, you enter all into all of them through the door of faith. Praise God. Your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And I know today I'm speaking to overcomers. Praise God. Now let's take Holy Communion today. Let's celebrate as believers around the world the goodness of the Lord and the faithfulness of the Lord. Now when we receive communion, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And of course, He is most certainly coming again. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the bread and the juice. We pray over it. We bless it. We sanctify it. We set it apart as holy. And we thank You that this is the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive it as such. Father, thank You for the body of Jesus. Thank You for the promises that even as Paul said, all all, not some, all of your promises are yes and amen. Father, we agree with that. We refuse to doubt it. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We receive now the body of Jesus. Amen. Let's partake together. Are you in a place of great need today? Then worship the Lord. Find the compound name of God. Remember, God's name is so great, it has to be described through compound names. Find the compound name of God that would speak to your situation and begin thus to worship the Lord. If you need healing, worship God as Jehovah Rapha. If you need calming of your soul, worship God as Jehovah Roe, the Lord God who is your shepherd. If you need provision, worship God as Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord God who will see to it that your every need is met. Okay, so there's eight major compound names of God and other names as well that are the that just tie into the one that you need and you'll see God manifest in your life but have faith and worship him because it takes faith to worship him in the midst of a trial you'll see God bless you amen father we thank you for the blood of Jesus Lord we choose to worship you we just thank you for shedding your blood and helping us so much to understand how you work and what you require of us in order to receive a miracle from you thank you Lord Jesus that you are so just you're so fair and you're so good to us we give you praise thank you Lord Jesus in your name we pray amen let's receive today praise God Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Before we close today, if these messages are a blessing to you and they're feeding you spiritually, then consider becoming a covenant partner of the ministry if you are not yet a covenant partner. Our online church members are members that tithe because this is their spiritual storehouse. There are those that watch and they they're, they come from a different angle where they already have a church home somewhere else. But while they have a church home somewhere else and they give there, they still enjoy the ministry here and the teaching here. And they just, you know, some of you say, Pastor Stephen, I have a church home somewhere else, but I want to be a blessing to you also because your teaching blesses me. And they would just, you know, send an offering from time to time and you know a covenant partner gives every month at least once a month pastor Stephen what's the minimum amount that I would need to give to be a covenant partner two cents 
because we do see that biblical standard in the Bible that there was the widow woman that gave two cents to Jesus. So that would be the lowest common denominator that would be required to be a ministry partner. Praise God. Now, of course, some of you can do more than that, and that is a joy. Amen. But a covenant partner, somebody that says, Pastor Stephen, I love the teaching. It is helping me. And because of that, I want to partner with your ministry, and I'm going to send something in at least once a month. Praise God. Hallelujah. So if these messages are a blessing to you, and you're not yet a covenant partner, we would love to have you to be one praise God. And you can see that link online at the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Okay. Thank you for watching today. I speak blessing, peace, 